Toast Machine covers the On Stage with Jim and Tom theme song. Which I find fascinating because, quite frankly, we've always known Toast Machine is mostly an instrumental band. Tom Gaffey, welcome to the stage at the Phoenix Theater. James, well, thank you. Uh, we have two very interesting, important people as far as, uh, well, in general, but also as far as the Phoenix is concerned. They have an incredible amount of history here. It is Geo, and it's it is true. Paige, and it is Toast Machine. Toast Machine. Musically, it's Toast Machine and so many other bands, but besides that, it's also one of the people who are instrumental in making our sound systems work appropriately and mixing this room for us and turning it into a venue that actually had good sound, and that is Paige. So Toast Machine started many, many years ago, and then they've been on a hiatus since about 2007, 2008, I believe. And before we go to the guy and girl, Tom, when somebody asks you, who is Toast Machine, what do you tell them? Uh, well, it's one of my favorite bands. Absolutely an important band in the history of the Phoenix, an important band in my history, but also an important band for a lot of the kids that have spent time listening to music here because we still have kids who want to see these guys play, and it's the more serious of the young musicians that want to come back and hear these guys again. It is just a drum and a bass, uh, so it, it, it is spare in its instrumentation, but it is absolutely grand in its, in its sound. By grand, uh, what Tom means to say is loud. We welcome to the show Geo. Hi, Jim. And Paige. Hi, Jim. Hi, Tom. Absolutely. Let's start with just the most interesting thing, which is I believe the band is getting back together. The band has gotten back together. We have rehearsed. Excellent. Rehearsed. We have played badly together. Three, three times? times now? Yeah, three yeah. times. But what is that? What do you mean by badly? How, I shouldn't how bad say badly. Would it be? Yeah. No, it's like imagine if you used to be a marathon runner. And then you're like, yeah, man, those are the glory days. I'm going to do that. And then you're like, okay, to the mailbox. Just got to get to the mailbox. And then you got to the mailbox and you like, were like, you had a cramp and you were winded. And you're, like, and, then, and you're like limping and they're like, you're like, somebody, you had like call a friend to come down and pick you up. It feels a little bit like that. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. A geo first. I mean, you've been playing fairly solidly for the last five years or so. Yeah, but I've been playing... I would say I've been playing more shows than I've ever played in my life yeah. for the last five years. But I've been playing uh, bluegrass, which means that I've been going like this. Doom, 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 doom. But while you were doing that, you did get to work your vocal chops. I did get to work my vocal chops. So yeah. Gio played in the band Brothers Comatose, which is a band that has, if you're, actually, you don't even have to be from Northern California. They are really taking off. Um, they're doing yeah. good things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard when you just leave the band and then all your friends call you up. They're like, hey, so the lineup for Outside Lands just came out. I saw Brothers Comatose. That's awesome. And then you say, yeah. So I'm not in that band anymore, but it is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> and it is. It's incredible. They're doing so good. Okay, Brothers Comatose is great, and maybe someday they'll come on the show. But <laughs> Toast Machine, uh, what year did Toast Machine get founded? Paige, um, do you remember our anniversary? I would say it was a, wasn't it a talent show? In the year of? 
Holy cow. I want to say 1998. You are correct. Uh, round of applause for Paige. Know. That was brilliant. What do I win? What do I win? So 16 <laughs> years. That's are we right. talking about it? Was that a high school? That was my senior was, year yeah. at St. Vincent High School. And did you go to St. Vincent's as well? I did. Yeah. I was that. actually two grades above him. Though, yeah. So. So answer me this: Did, did you, you guys came out pretty much rocking as hard as you usually do at uh, the St. Vincent stage? Yeah, but I only had one four by ten cabinet at that time. So really, even though we were rocking as hard as we could, it's only half as rocking. That's, was it even that, or was it just now. the? Uh, I guess oh, it was. Yeah, my, at that point, you. Oh, the, he Gio actually had to upgrade as we went <laughs> along because <laughs> I played so damn loud that like we. We Correct. couldn't hear it, so it, like he got one four by ten, and that worked pretty well for a while, and then that finally. That's my next question. Actually, Canada. you do. You are one of the hardest hitters that I've seen. Yeah, uh, I've, come I've, through this stage, and I don't know how long it's been since you've played. Uh, you guys have not been together as, as a band for. It's been. You know what? I, I think we actually played in 2010. I think okay, we played that the Hillstomp show oh, in 2010. Okay, okay so, so it's been so, four years. So founded in 1998. And then played fairly consistently through 2007, and then maybe like a show or something yeah. in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Now, you played consistently from 1998 to 2007, though. Uh, yeah. Wow. As consistently as we could, I think. And yeah. you developed so, a, a real following in... One place in the entire country. <laughs> and we're sitting there right <laughs> we now. We're sitting, we're sitting on there that right stage. now. This, on this stage. <laughs> if there is any place that we can call our hometown venue, it's this one Oh, yeah, sure. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Could, but it. still, the deal is you haven't played, Paige, in, or have you been playing? Are you keeping your chops up and all uh, of that? I've, I've tried to a little, and actually now that we've been starting to play again, that's kind of picked it up, and I've the last six months, I'd say, I've been trying to... Um, does that build mean- my endurance again and things like that. I mean, that was one of the big things, especially playing a live show, is is, um, <laughs> is t- trying to actually make it through the entire show. Oh, and a Toast Machine show is, is pretty intense. So, yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah. It's a workout. Right when I started booking shows was when you guys played the Phoenix's, I believe it was birthday party. Yeah. And that was yep. when you covered Journeys, Journeys Don't Stop Believing. Believing. I yeah, filmed that from uh, maybe 30 feet from where we are over in the piano room. And I just want to say... Every time I watch that video, I get chills from start to finish. It was a pretty cool moment. And that was really a cool Phoenix moment. I completely agree with that. It's on YouTube. I was, Search uh, Toast yeah, Machine, yeah. Don't Stop I, Believing. I, I watched it. It's great. Uh, you I get chills too, it. I bet. Huh? It's, it's, uh, it's awesome to be able to still uh, <laughs> yeah. look back at that and, and re-experience uh, for sure. That's my second. So the first yeah. moment was Bob O'Reilly. There was something about that night that like transcended time and space the, and everything. Yeah, it was, it was what I recall the most about that one is just the, uh, the abs- amount of energy that was in the room and just everyone jumping up and down in yeah. unison. And it was, it, was just, it was just The so Don't Stop Believing performance. No, actually, Bob O'Reilly. Bob O'Reilly. Oh, my heavens. Ditto though but for yeah. Don't Stop Believing. And that was and my brother Ian was playing guitar yeah, that night. That was and like special. having family up on stage too, just like ups the ante. People if they ever want to say like, Oh, I don't understand what the Phoenix is all about. I think that video is like a really good five minute yes. summary because it's like you got Tom who's been running the building forever. You got you guys who grew up in the building, yeah. got you know, got your chops on the stage. Cool, and then yeah. you've got, you know, four or five hundred kids just jumping yeah. up and down going crazy. You oh, you're seeing bodies glory. fly upside yeah. down. It was really glorious. special. We got joined on stage by Skyler just before he stage dived, I think. Skyler Stover. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Paige, I heard a story about you. Um, really? Were you <laughs> 
I thought it was so low key. No, you're no. You were. He was a low key. So you, uh, in in addition to being in Toastum Sheet and all the other things you've done in your life, you also uh, you work for a pretty interesting company, don't you? I I, I like to think so. You're yeah. are you an animator? Is that correct? Um, I you could be. I could be called that for sure. Um, I've worked for Industrial Light and Magic, doing working on special effects. For is films. it still Industrial yeah. Light and Magic? It is still okay. Good. But technically, I guess I'm oh, I'm a Disney employee now. But yeah, but wow. um. Oh. So I heard that That's in cool. one of the Star Wars movies. You can actually see you uh, in like the background of one of the opening shots. That is shots. true, actually. Yeah. So in the the uh, episode two, I was actually an extra in a few different spots, but the easiest one to point out is in the very beginning of the film. There's the princess has a spaceship and it comes and lands on a platform, and I was one of the extras on the platform, and I'm the very first one you see. And what always got me about it was that actually I had friends over in Europe at the time, and they watched it in a foreign language, and when they saw it, they could tell it was me by the way I walked. Anybody who's ever seen Paige <laughs> walk will recognize her instantly. Somebody who's listening might be like, well, I don't know who Paige is. Mm-hmm. I always thought that uh, Toast Machine didn't have uh, Paige in it. Yeah. I, it's I, always had Paige in it. Yeah. I've always had, well, I've always been in the band, but I'm a little different now I, since we've been on, on hiatus. Oh, um, what's new? Well, while we were uh, not playing with, or, or while I was not playing with Geo, it actually gave me a little time to um, to kind of focus on my own stuff. And I came out as transgendered and transitioned while I was um, uh, often on hiatus, I guess. So. Did this all and come to you after, during your hiatus? No, or? no, not at all. Um, it actually is something that was around for a long time. I, I was in denial for a very long time, but then um, uh, it was just something that kind of finally bubbled up and I had to deal with it. And, and so I did. To make the decision, uh, when you started to realize that, there, that maybe there was something, how long did it take you to come to the decision? Was it, was it a long process? Or? Yeah, well, it was a long process, but it was more, I mean, really my entire life I knew something was, was different in that way. So it was, it was something that was very clear, or not, I wouldn't say it was very clear, but it was something I knew, knew very young. Um, but I didn't know what it, exactly it was, and, um, and just it took a long time. You know, there's not a lot of exposure about it, or there hasn't been. It's getting that no, right no, now, no. Which, yeah. is, which is, I think, is great. And, you are, you're a groundbreaker, kind of. Uh, almost. I, would yeah. not, I don't think I'm quite there. I think there were definitely people ab- before me and, and yeah. stuff like that. But, um, and those people were inspirational to me and, um, and to go through with it and, um, d- and face my own demons and come out. And it was actually a really, uh, it turned out to be a really wonderful thing because um, I didn't realize it, but after it, or as, as I started coming out to people and how much of a weight it was off my shoulders and just made things uh, quite a bit easier and, yeah. and stuff. So Yeah, I don't think it's demons at all, you know, at all. But I, I, I know you're not doing it for anybody else but yourself. True. Because this yeah. is you. This is how you were born, and it feels right. But it is brave and it is inspirational, and I think it's really great, not only that, you know, you're here talking about it, but also... It's difficult enough for people to, this is not your experience, but it's difficult enough for people who are gay to tell their friends and family that. Definitely, yeah. You know, because they think, are th- is someone who likes me not going to like me anymore? Is it going to affect my career? Is it going to affect my friends, my family? But at least people understand what it is to be gay. There's some misunderstanding about, you know, is it a choice, is it not? But being transgender, I think there's very little understanding out there. Th- there is, yeah. And, um it's it is it's definitely it's different than that it's more you're it's much more um apparent in terms of um 
transitioning and you you bring other people through it as opposed to it just being um, who you find attractive and stuff like that. So there, there's definitely a different experience there. Yeah. Um, I am very or extremely lucky in terms of the area that I live in or, or you know, the Bay Area and everything is being a very um, uh, open place and um, it's been... You do have that behind uh, yeah, you. Yeah, I've been very lucky in that way and, and had uh, resources to, to go to and and, uh, and and very supportive family and friends and everyone's been very understanding about it. And so it's it's something that for me, it was a very smooth natural thing and um i'm very grateful yeah i i just i just brought up the uh the act of coming out because of of the closet because um that is like the hardest thing for people it and then imagine having you know your actual physical self changing and introducing it to people and it's just you know it's it's probably was the hardest thing in the world for you to come to it it definitely was and it required an incredible amount of bravery and it uh, it was (laughs) i guess it was brave but it was also just yeah, something you kind of yeah. something I had to do, but it did. It took me o- over a year to finally, uh, like, after I had actually figured it out for myself and knew I was going going through with it. It still took over a year before I actually came out with Make my the mom decision. in the first oh, place. So, yeah. Well, no, oh, I, had, I had made that that, dis- you that had, choice. And, you sat with it for a year before. Yeah. You f- well, I had I had started trid transition before I came out with anybody, and I was I was uh, seeking therapy and or you know, going to a yeah. therapist and stuff, which. Um, it was definitely helpful in being able to talk to somebody about it, um, really but it still important. took a, took a long time to finally come around. And I was yeah. I really wanted to come out to my parents first, so they kind of had the um, they knew it up front, and they there wouldn't be any chance for them to find out through some other just word of mouth or something or some rumor. And uh, and then from there, once once I told my mom, then it took a couple more months. I finally told my dad, and then. Um, and then from there, it just kind of snowballed and actually started telling friends, and it got easier and easier. And and each yeah. time. There was a little more, and you, you mentioned it wasn't so much a demon, but there was this weight on my shoulders in terms of just having to deal with it and or having to have a secret at all. And as that was going away, it was the most enlightening thing <laughs> and just it's, and it's wonderful to be like, oh, I can, I don't have, it's not, I no longer have any secrets. It's just like, I can just live my life and, and, and enjoy it. I always laugh when people think that stuff like this is a choice or that's something that people want to do. It's like as if anybody would choose to go through that, that process. But it's Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. you. And, and, it's, I, and, it, and it, I bet it feels, it's, you feel a lightness now. I bet you do. It, it is, yeah. And it's, it is a, it's a weird, or not weird, but it's a tough thing in that it, it does seem like a choice. And I obviously had the choice to either transition or not. I didn't have a choice to be transgender, not for sure. But um, but still, that it's something that finally comes to a, a point where I have to deal with it. And it was, and bad, worse or bad stuff would have happened if I tried to keep it in for oh, sure. Absolutely. So, and you I, you I, I was getting to that point where I could tell it was it was going downhill, or it was going either I was going to make something good of it, or it was going to get worse. So, so <laughs> this is an interesting thing. Um, when you guys were at your peak here you would do what every other band would try to do, which is let's expand this. Let's take this thing as far as we can. Let's see what happens. Oh man. Yes. Let's and talk this, about this that. is very interesting because this, the world of indie music, there's just so many different avenues and stories and characters and stuff that anybody outside of it can't understand. One of them is getting a draw and getting popular. People think, you know, you're popular, you're popular ever. Not that way at all. No. no, you could play a show here. You'd get three, four 500 people. Tom, how many times have you seen that? Yeah. They, they develop a hometown following, and it's just so hard to like break out to and, get out and break expand out. outward. It's, you know, and I think uh, not just on our stage with our local players. I bet it happens all over the place. I had uh, We had the Gang of Thieves in here, which is a band from Vermont. And these guys, it's a smoking band. I like them an awful lot. Uh, very tight, very funky. 
and uh, they bring them they bring themselves out to the West Coast once a year, and it's it's a tough market for them. Up and down the coast, they'll play in as catch as catch can. We had a Thursday night show with them, and maybe twenty or thirty people came, and they were they still rocked it. They, what a what a great band! But uh, what they were talking about is on the East Coast, there seems to be a little bit, because everything is so close together and the towns are so close yeah. together, a tour will be a drive of maybe two or three hours between gigs yeah. and people still know you from club to club. Yeah, if so, you route out there. And because the, the towns are so close together on the East Coast, you also have festivals that are so close together yeah. on the East Coast. And festivals build an audience like nothing else because... Everybody knows they love their certain festivals. Everybody will go to their festival and, yeah. and you'll check out 20 different bands for the two bands that you went to go see. And then you come away and, and you'll go see them at the clubs next time they come through. That was uh, the Brothers Comatose experience on the East Coast. Yeah. Out here, the festivals are much fewer and further between. And so are the venues. It's, it's a little bit harder to tour. And it's harder to develop your crowds. It's tougher I, for, for our local bands. You know, and, and I think there's something too about we... Like we really succeeded at the Phoenix because like I, I think both of us just have a heart for playing here. Uh, not just here, but like for playing all age shows. I don't yeah. like playing bars as much at all. And the kids, if you're a kid between twelve and eighteen, like you love music more than anybody else on the planet. It's a different energy that you lose as you get older. It's like it's just like this visceral, total intense love for music. And it's the most fun energy to play for in the world. Yeah. But it's also the kind of relationship that it can build in two ways. One, people have already heard it and it's already popular and they'll come out and see it. But if you want to like build it up like the way we built it up here, like we didn't get 500 people here until we had played here for maybe 10 years. Or like yeah. five, time, five yeah. to yeah. six years to like start building it up to headlining and then the next three years were like big so tom gaffey you've played to nobody before haven't that's you still like, you what, know, what's your favorite okay so i've heard of you uh malarkey's malarkey's what yeah. is that i don't know what that that's is a, malarkey's was it was a dive bar in sacramento yeah uh, right across the street from the old tower theater there were two people in the bar it was a chomp hard set and boy were we hot that night it was one of the best sets i ever played oh uh, Huh. It was spectacular. It, it, uh, I'll never forget the night. We were just smoking. What a night. Oh, my God. I'd love to come and play that again. And that's what I tell a lot of young bands when they come to play here. The, one of the best shows I ever had was in front of two people. And uh, it can be done when, when the magic is there, when the moments are right. You know, holy cow, and well, when everything's gelling. Now, did you have the same experience that Toast Machine had in that you would do reasonably well around here and you would go out and when you'd play like in Sacramento, not so much? We had not uh, to say that Toast Machine didn't do well when they weren't playing in Petaluma, but you know uh, it was tougher. It's okay. The yeah, crowds were you small. can actually say that because what you just said is literally true. Kind literally. of what we had that these guys did not have was the early '90s, and the early '90s we got to play uh, uh, clubs in Sacramento that would still that had draws. We got to play with Seven Seconds at, at a club in uh, the Cattle Club in Sacramento. That was a huge show. Uh, we got to play. We we played with Green Day twice, once in Sonoma and yes. once in Napa. And, of course, those shows were yes. you know, smoking. The first gig we played here was, or maybe it was the first big gig we played here. We got the lobby spot for Bungle. Oh, Mr. Bungle came through so on their California tour. Yes. What and that night. was, I swear, that was like what got people to come to every other show after that. That's like what started oh. everything. That's yeah. when the lobby was a really tight room. If you had it was, that, yeah. it had that Nirvana feeling, was, uh, the uh, teen spirit feeling. It was, it was like. Yeah. Sweaty, close sweaty, and sweaty. Close. Yeah. This is where I've seen a few vocalists eat the microphone in that room. Always made me nervous. <laughs> that was a good, great show. That's still one of my favorite bands, Mr. Bungle. 
Toast Machine, 2014. My goodness. Yeah. What else does the future hold? Well. Some new songs? Have you been writing? Yeah. We have, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. How's that feel? Oh, my God. I, it, so playing upright bass in a bluegrass band is like being a real bass player. But I think that's one of the things I never was really that good at. Um was being the bass player that's in the back. So when you're in Toast Machine, you get to be the front person, the only like person standing up on the stage. That's nice. <laughs> to be in the Brothers Comatose, it was like literally you could just like get off the stage and just walk from the stage through the whole crowd to the back. And maybe somebody would recognize you. Wow. Like maybe one or two people would be like, oh, hey, man, nice show. You'd be like, hey, thanks. Thank you very much. But you kind of enjoyed the front man aspect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, kind of, meaning totally. And, and not just the frontman aspect, but there's also the, just like the sheer power and volume of just like getting the stand up and just like destroy. But when you're backing up a whole band and you're a real bass player, you are supporting from the shadows. So now the shadow element of being in Brothers Comatose was frustrating then. It was, it was frustrating in that I didn't have time to have that other project. Yeah. Teaching on the side and then, you know, my amazing family. There's only time for one project. That's definitely a frustration. Yeah, even getting to be a sideman in another really loud band would okay. be fun. Okay, so here's a question. You departed Brothers Comatose six months ago. When four was your last show? Four months ago. Like New Year's Eve. Oh, it was New Year's Eve, yeah. yeah. Okay. Was that with Toast Machine in mind? Um... It was with Toast Machine and like a lot, of, there's a lot of ideas that built up over the last five years. What else would you do? Would you record an album? I I'd mean, lo- I'd love to, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about the band is, is the creative aspect. And, you know, my, my favorite songs are the ones that were the, actually the hardest to figure out and learn and ones we couldn't play when we started, like just coming up with these things and, and how are we going to get into this and, and drop this note here and, and, and wait on this, and it's it's really difficult. And they and in the moment, they there could be some really uh, frustrating times in working them out. But in the long run, like they're the ones that stick with me, and I still love playing, and I still love listening to. And how many albums have Toast Machine put out? We've put out two officially, and if you go to Watts Music in Novato, you can find a bootleg that somebody is still selling there. <laughs> how did it sound? It sounded terrible. Yeah, right. Was it recorded <laughs> on a phone at the Phoenix? We released probably five to 12 different iterations of albums. That's you remember true. that? Yeah, we, we lived were just to, burning them. Like just nonstop. It would just, there would always be a CD burning. And then did we you guys record, Sharpies and, record everything on your own? Uh, did you go to a studio or did you use your own studio? No, most of it was stuff taken from the board here. Wow. Um, and cool. then the other rest of it was all engineered by Paige. Yeah, of course. It's so interesting how much the world has changed since you were a band. Yes. Because you had mentioned that you couldn't find recordings of yourselves except for the ones that we had up on the Phoenix YouTube. Yeah. Because back when you were a band, the iPhone, had if it had come out, it was only out for like a month or two. Nobody had them. So and now it If you play a show this year, which is the plan, yeah. there will be multiple angles and multiple videos yes, true. instantly up on YouTube. Isn't that funny how much things have changed? That is crazy. This is something I've been realizing as we've been playing is that this is like the language that I speak best on the bass. So it's like, for, for me, I've, I've always, I'm going to play music the rest of my life. I'm going to play music with my kids and my family. But when I pick up a bass, I can back people up. I'm getting better at it on electric or on upright. But if someone asks me to like, what do you, what do you sound like when you play the bass? I'll be like, oh, I sound like this. This is a toast machine. So it's really fun to have that outlet again. 
when um, we didn't really have it for a long time. Tom Gaffey, you're probably more excited about this reunion than you've ever been. I, I didn't. Uh, Gio had to take a bathroom break, but I've been so excited. I've just been leaking all over the stage. I don't know. What to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is very exciting. And uh, Thank when, you were excited. When, when do you guys think that you're, you're targeting for the show? We were thinking maybe late summer, like when school comes back in. I, I should say that the day that we started talking about getting rehearsals back together and I was exchanging emails with, with Tom about um, maybe rehearsing here and then yeah. exchanging emails with Paige about when we could get together, I had an anxiety dream where, and I've had several of these since, where we're going to go on and we're going to play a show, but then all of a sudden all my gear doesn't work and then nobody's there. Like the idea of, I used to have those in the weeks coming up to a, a toast machine show because I would just get so worked up about it. That yeah, was one of the nice things a, about... You put a lot into it, though, too. I mean, flyers yeah. and all... You know, yeah, everything exactly. Everything goes, goes into planning. Now it's the, all Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> That's another thing. Yeah, that is another thing. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah, the way not, show promotion goes is yeah, so different so now. So different yeah. now. Absolutely. Um, but, but, yeah. Let me just allay your fears. <laughs> I, uh, okay. It's not okay. about allaying fears. <laughs> Let me just, just allay that, that when when you guys do do your show, whether it's late summer or with the anniversary, you will do fine. There will be a ton of people there. It'll be great. every person I've mentioned Toast Machine getting back together to is very very excited about it. We're excited That's about exciting, it. Yeah. I just think that the funny thing is, even if we had like pre-sales, I think those dreams would still happen. I think it's just a trigger. <laughs> Like toast machine <laughs> triggers. Well, uh, no one will come. Uh, no, no, I'll definitely be there. Well, we That's will. Scary. Yeah, as long as Tom's there, it'll be fine. I hope you guys take it far. I hope that yeah, you record an album. Would you say the new songs are following the old songs, or is it sort of new influences? No, I'd, I'd say it's uh, more of the same vocabulary. One of the things I did wanted to say about just like playing together is that when we just started out, and I was, uh, you know, we were like sixteen and mm-hmm. eighteen. And how was, old are you now, by the way? I'm 34. 36. All right. When we started out, you, it was just like all of that energy and you don't care about anything. And in those days, it was like, it was so easy to play together because you would just play a riff for about an hour and be like, sweet, next riff. And then you're like, okay, those two <laughs> riffs go together. That's a song. Let's come up with another song. And so if you listen back to the really early stuff, that's how it is. It's like, play a riff, play it four times, go to the next riff, play it four times, go back to the first riff, play it four times, next riff four times, play it louder, done. (laughs) And then the new songs that we've been writing, it's just been, there's been more development and there's been more melody and it's way harder to just jam it out because it has an arc and it has these different like movements and these different moods. And, And the writing has been much more, um, coming up with parts, melodic parts that, that I think, oh, I think this fits with this, and then I'll play it for, for Paige and be like, okay, so here's the next idea that I think, now can we play this? And so instead of having it be that just like primal, like crazy, like loud session of just like, okay, one, two, three, four, go for it, um, it's changed. And there's a big part of it that I miss of just that not caring at all and just having it be just these caveman grooves that are just like... <laughs> And I think, I mean, fun. I don't know how you feel, Tom, but my first instinct is try to find room for both. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? And, and that's, yeah. a, that's a big part of it. Because when things get too organized, sometimes they lose their magic. Absolutely. But on the other hand, there is value to bring sophistication to it. I've been reading... Here I am lecturing you on your own music. That's <laughs> <laughs> helpful. But I've been, reading, um, I've been reading Lester Bangs, the music criticism oh, of Lester Bangs. And his whole thing is about like finding like this 
primordial Cro-Magnon, like terrible albums where he can like taste the essence, like that first essence of like, you don't even know your instrument, but you're going for it like a hundred percent. And I've been really, I've been like, I've been picking up on that big time and, and just reading that and be like, yeah, I want that. I want to find that part. <laughs> hey, that as Tom and I t- say probably every other episode, it's a, life's all about jumping into something. Maybe you don't necessarily yeah. know how to do it at all, but you know <laughs> yeah, you're going to yeah, do it. Yeah. And this is gonna that's happen. probably what yeah. your 16-year-old self was like. That's it's exactly. like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but yeah. God gonna damn it, I'm going to well, do it. Well, that, yeah. I think that's, I mean, it, that, yeah. that goes to show, like, you know, even our first song, I mean, we called it Funk the World because we thought we were funk trying to play funk. and it was Yeah, because like, it's slap bass, man. Slap bass equals funk. It's like, oh my God. Talk about positioning yourself in the right way, Gio. You teach at St. Vincent's <laughs> High School. Because, you, you know, we all know that high school bands always do the best. You know what I mean? Because they've got all the kids, the yeah. captive audience. Now you figured it out, Gio. You got yeah. to the bottom of it. You, you just you teach at the high school. Teach at the high school. Teach at the high school. That works good. Yeah. It works good. You, you know, know who to hand the flyers out to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've been blessed because he does teach at the high school. Uh, Gio is the one that brought us arrhythmia. Uh, he he uh, recommended uh, one of his students' bands to us, and I love that band. Yeah. Uh, and it's been very good to have them. Like I was saying, like when you're 16 and you're playing music, like there's no. Uh, I have played so many shows, especially with Brothers Comatose, over the last five years, and I don't think we've played any all age shows except for festivals. Everything else is at a bar, and it's all 21 and over, and it never comes close. Like not even close. There is nothing that comes close to the energy that kids have for music yeah. it's like you can't even and so like when you get kids that can play and they can like deliver that and you get to just like watch them like experience their first show like oh, it's huge it's, it's unbelievable yeah. and the excitement that i feel when we're like getting like the little jazz bands are getting ready for their performance and like there's a couple kids where it might be their first time to play like i get nervous for those shows in a way that i cannot get nervous for yeah. other shows anymore because it's like you, you know that something could go so tragically wrong yeah. that it could derail everything. And there's like there's something about that spontaneity. Those, yeah, like and those high stakes, like the high yes. stakes like start to, to get practiced away like over over the years, you know, and like maybe there's like a big show and there's a big audience, but like like what if like you just totally forget the part? Like that, like oh. that's very real. Oh, you know, it's so yes. real. Yes, and I you've love got it. every, you've got all of your peers out there watching, yeah. and those peers. One of my favorite things about the first show for any band that plays here, number one, it's going to be a big crowd for them. It's going to be one of their best crowds because half of their friends are coming to see them do great, and the other half are hoping they see them <laughs> flail because that is just as entertaining and just as exciting. <laughs> so you've got these poor kids up here putting it all out, taking this huge risk, oh, man. knowing that there's there half the audience wants to see you suck. It's the damnedest thing. There's nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, what is And so thing. how interesting that you experienced that very thing yourself. Both of you did on the stage here, right? Oh, this is another thing and uh, I've heard it echoed in, in other guests that you guys have had, but it's like you can you can literally go coast to coast and you will not find anything that is that resembles this. It's close to this. You can't find other people who have experiences like this. It's it's you mean uh, the Phoenix? Yeah, like a, yeah. A, a venue in your small hometown that is all ages that fosters young artists that gives them a legitimate place to play and cut their teeth. It's just like, it's, it would be such a cool thing. I think for the whole industry, if, if every, well, every town should have something like this for their kids anyway. Uh, we're blessed that we had this big old building that was empty that we can do this with. But I know actually, if you go through the Midwest, as you go through the East coast, there are so many big empty buildings that could be doing the same thing. 
Yeah, I think. But I they, they don't have somebody. You need somebody to run it. You need you need the Grand Wizard. You need the Tom Gaff. Yeah. You need you need a guy who is stupid enough to not know you can't do this. And this is how bands get started. You need that, and then you need a team of s- stupid enough people, people over the years yes. who believe in God, it as well yeah. exactly. to oh. help the guy who does it. Absolutely. And Man, everybody at this have... table has done that yeah. in some way or another. It's a big enough venue that to have some of the bigger acts come through even in that history is built into it as well to be it's like oh we're gonna we get to play we there like this it. is so fantastic really fun. Really and, really fun. and you know it'll yeah. be good too is you guys getting back together people being excited about that and then filling the bill with some young cool bands that can uh, not only draw their own people but have the hopefully go down the path you went down in terms of having some great musical experiences yeah. and just continue to see where it goes uh, we will definitely be playing I mean I've wanted to play on this stage for a long time I can't wait to get back on the stage especially with Toast Machine there's nothing like playing on the stage the smell up here the feel of this stage every great show that I have played has been on this stage so it's just nice to kind of come home. And then, I mean, there's so many other like plans just in the back of the head that are, that are always kind of bubbling. And this, there's one thing that this building, and I know Jim, that you feel this and Tom exudes this and lives this, but like this building emanates possibilities. And there's like the potential that you feel when you step in here is just like, I don't know, it's just like you get inspired. So you start to hatch all these crazy schemes and ideas in your head. This building is waiting for you to do that. It's waiting for like, I mean, it's waiting for everybody to come and do cool things. I yeah. mean, that's just like the beautiful thing about it. Absolutely. So yeah. it, it does like you feel that and you're like, oh yeah, I could do cool that's things. Great. I mean, when I walked in for the first time in years now, it was just, it was just great to be able to just check out what's changed the it's, but it feels like home. I mean, you just walk right <laughs> in and you know, get, to, I get to walk around and check out all the, the new art that's on the walls and everything. And, um, it's just I'm really excited um, to be back. Well, I'm excited about you guys hatching crazy schemes and bringing a show here and reuniting and yes. making more memories because yes, this place is a place of creativity. I think it's really cool. Nothing yeah. like it. Nothing else like it. It's wonderful. So, so anyway, we say thank you, Gio, and we say thank you, Paige. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jim thank and you Tom. Delight yeah. to talk Huge to you guys. Huge to have you back. And you know. Maybe we'll see you here in three, four, five, six months for the Toast Machine show. Absolutely. Yes, you will. All right. Say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. night.